Well, hello, and welcome to All The Way Alive, the podcast for accomplished humans age 45 plus who want to squeeze all the available living and adventure out of this lifetime, the one you have right now. I'm your host and facilitator, Susan Sutherland, former C-suite executive turned coach and thought partner for Humans 45 Plus, committed to bringing their long-held dreams to fruition and to being all the way alive in this season. I also co-own and operate a ranch and retreat center in rural South Africa. In this podcast, we're going to explore what it means to continue to grow, learn, and evolve into more of who we are meant to be as individuals and as fellow humans as we age. In short, we'll have juicy conversations about what it means to age well and to be all the way alive, especially after the age of 45. Please note, there will be lots of laughter and swears. So let's dive in, shall we? Hello, hello. I'm Susan Sutherland, and welcome to the very first episode of my podcast, All the Way Alive. I'm excited to be here and hope you'll stay for a listen and follow along. In this podcast, I want to showcase humans age 45 who are living into their dreams, discovering more about who they are, who they are meant to be, and being all the way alive all their days. During this podcast, I hope to explore a variety of themes, purpose, meaning-making, change, intentions and transitions, spirit, identity and self-concept, dealing with challenges, and welcoming, or allowing, joy, aging, and of course, what it means to be all the way alive. Those are some pretty heady themes. What I'll be doing in between solo episodes featuring moi is talking with humans who interest and inspire me, whose stories, whose activities, whose ways of moving through the world are compelling and inspiring. And that's what you'll find on this podcast. Now, a few housekeeping things to help set the stage, manage your expectations, and provide some context. My plan is to drop episodes to All the Way Alive every other week. 2023 has been an interesting year for me, full of unexpected challenges and therefore, insights. As someone who gets really excited by new ideas and the potential inherent in the seed of something, also known by some as shiny object syndrome, I now really try to deeply consider the sustainability of something I want to commit to. I'm pretty sure I can sustain recording and sharing a bi-weekly podcast, along with periodic four- to six-week breaks. Some of the episodes will be solo, as I've mentioned, like this one, Many of them will feature people who interest and inspire me, and I trust will interest and inspire you as well. In this episode, I want to introduce myself to you and share a bit more about my story, as well as my reasons for wanting to start and have a podcast. My hope, of course, is that you'll find All the Way Alive, meaning me, my guests, and our conversations, compelling enough to want to hear more, to subscribe to, to share with your friends, and to your network. As I dive into my story, I'm mindful of a running joke we had when I was in corporate, when a particularly long-winded colleague would begin his soliloquies with something that always seemed to take us back to, quote, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, unquote. 
So bear with me as I share about my past and hope it won't feel like history beginning with when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. I grew up as a global nomad as my father was a U.S. Foreign Service officer, a diplomat who spoke Arabic fluently, and so we were posted mostly in the Middle East. A few years ago, when people asked me where I had lived growing up, I was able to point to countries having an Arab Spring, which at the time most people I was meeting were aware of. And yes, I lived in Jerusalem when I was a young girl, from 1967 to 1970, and the recent events in Israel and Gaza have broken my heart. I know it's a very heavy and dispiriting time for many of us. I pray for peace, for a long-term and tenable and sustainable solution for Israelis and Palestinians. Growing up, I went to all kinds of schools in different countries. I went to an Arab kindergarten in Saudi Arabia, not speaking a word of Arabic at the time, as a second grader to an Italian school in Lebanon, run by nuns, and to a French school in Jerusalem. And so it goes. When my parents were stationed in Tunisia in the mid-70s, I went to the French Lycée for a year, then moved to Rome, Italy, to attend a very small progressive high school called the Forum School. My mother's sister, my Aunt Franca, had co-founded it, and from where she continued to teach art history. It was a disruptive, chaotic, but deeply enriching childhood. Did I mention that my mother is half Italian? She was born in Panama of an American mother when her Italian father was working on the Panama Canal. Fun fact, he later became an Italian diplomat and was serving as consul general in New Orleans when my parents got married in the 50s. I think it's really interesting, possibly synchronistic, that my mother had a similar disrupted childhood the way my siblings and I did because her father, like mine, was a diplomat. So I come from a family that moved often, lived overseas, while often faced outward to people and communities where we lived, was imbued with a sense of service. So in so many ways, it really isn't a surprise that in 2018, my spouse and I bought a 1,300-acre ranch in the Drakensberg Mountains of South Africa while we were visiting the country for the very first time. We are both inclined towards adventure and curiosity, to exploring and learning about places, people, and cultures that aren't our own, and to considering ways to be of service in the world and imagining ourselves in new circumstances. But more on our South African adventure in a bit, because I've skipped ahead here. After college in the U.S. and a few years as an educational administrator at a small college in upstate New York, I moved to San Francisco. It was, to my mind, the most European of American cities, and so it felt more like home to me than any other place in the U.S. I started my official career in the most unlikely of ways as a temp worker at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. After applying for what we called a, quote, full status, unquote, job, meaning regular pay and benefits, and certainly not permanent, because nothing is, right? I stayed for over 29 years, leaving in 2016 after 10 years as a C-suite executive at the end of my career. I loved a lot of things about my work there. The ability to grow and learn and do new things and have new roles in one multifaceted organization. I started as a temporary receptionist in the human resources function and ended my career as a senior vice president with responsibility and oversight for human resources, among other function. For me, that's a deeply satisfying arc. I also knew, round about age 55, that I wanted to be done with that role, that kind of career. And so began my fascination with what I call 
the itch, the questioning, the quest for more that often begins around age 45. I also knew that I had done the corporate executive experience. When I left corporate, I wasn't exactly sure what was next for me professionally, but I was clear that it was time to have new experiences. After all, I'd had the corporate experience, the C-suite executive thing, including the striving, the depletion, the reckoning. I wanted to experience something, perhaps many things, different. For a variety of reasons, I stayed until I was 55, a key milestone at the organization. And I'm actually really glad, in retrospect, that I did. I got a new boss about three years before I left and was given new opportunities. It was a great cap to a long career to represent the bank as the Seattle branch manager and to receive accolades from San Francisco-based community groups I'd been engaged with and in service to for years. You just never know, right? Sometimes good things show up when you least expect them and change the way you look back over your shoulder. Hi, I'm jumping here in the middle of this episode to invite you to retreat with me in South Africa in May 2024. This will be a very special experience and a retreat like no other with a combination of nature, wildlife, history and culture, followed by personal work and coaching in a deeply restorative location that would be our farm in the Drakensberg, along with five other humans age 45 plus. I'll guide you and lead you through your week in South Africa, and you will remember who you are, reflect on your life so far, and refresh your vision for yourself. You'll reconnect to who you are in this time of your life, and you'll leave South Africa refreshed, reinvigorated, and having reaped a plan of action from all your experiences and reflections to use for your return home. The retreat is limited to six people and takes place Sunday, May 5th to Sunday, May 12th, starting in Johannesburg. The links to learn more, as well as to book a virtual coffee chat with me, are in the show notes. I'd love to talk to you and invite you personally to come to South Africa. I can't wait to meet you and explore with you in May 2024. Now back to the episode. And still, I knew that I wanted to move on. And so I retired, and I put that in quotes or bunny ears, in January 2016, kicking and screaming at the word. I knew that my working days weren't over, but in fact, I was retiring from that career. So why did it bother me so much? I'm pretty sure I was afraid of being forgotten, ignored, afraid of being dismissed as, quote, retired, and assumed to be not up to much. I see now that I was beginning to explore the margins of aging ageism, and the preconceived notions and stereotypes we often hold about people who aren't in the corporate workspace or don't have a, quote, real job, unquote. It also revealed my own internal ageism and, still surprising to me today, my own productivity bias. So much to unravel. My reactions also underscored for me how buttressed I felt with a cool job title and a marquee employer. It called the questions, who am I when I'm not at work? Who am I going to be without all that? These are profound questions on anyone's path, and many of my clients are exploring these and other questions for themselves. I knew, even before I left the bank, that I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to work with people like me, ready to have new experiences, 
but unsure how to navigate the career questions, the important personal conversations, the personal and the spiritual expansions, and all the exploration. I knew I wanted to be a coach because working with people, supporting them, supporting their personal and professional development was the highlight of my corporate career. So I wanted to continue to do at least that one thing that I had loved. After training and being certified as a Martha Beck Wayfinder coach in 2017, although it was called something different then, I started my coaching business. I've continued to train and have a certification as a self-belief coach from Sass Pethrick Self-Belief Coaching Academy. There's a tag in the show notes for that. I have taken two levels of trainings and coaching for mind, body, spirit, connection, and wellness, giving me a really deep and wide sense for how to support my clients. I love the work. I find working with my clients is really just the best. I've said this before in other circumstances. I fall in love with the humans my clients are and with who they might become. That said, the business part of my journey as a solopreneur has been, well, challenging. As one of my coaches says, being in business is catnip for your self-doubt. Boy, howdy, is that true? My business is also where I've learned to lean into taking imperfect action, like getting this podcast off the ground. I was sharing with a guest the other day, the lovely Janelle Wiesack, that I went from thinking about starting a podcast to actually having one because I took small steps imperfectly, and certainly not according to the schedule I had created. I had intended to launch in early September, and now I expect we might launch, by the time you are hearing this, in late October, if not early November. But if you're hearing this, it's launched. So it's important to take imperfect action and just move along towards the destination. It's also important, as we try to break away from productivity culture, sometimes known as hustle culture, to nurture self-belief and self-compassion. There are days when I'm on fire with energy and focus, and those are the days I tackle challenging goals. There are days when I'm tired or feeling low-key, and those are the days I do the basic, easy-to-knock-off things. I couldn't do anything well in my business if I held myself to the same old get-it-done-damn-it ethos of my corporate days. I left corporate to be free from arbitrary timelines, nine-to-five desk sitting, and endless and not very productive meetings. I wanted to explore a life anchored by my own rhythms and energy, by the expansion I can feel when I'm honoring who I am and how I best work. I work best when I'm honoring my deep desire to be of service. But all of this is a journey. I still spend much too much time in front of my computer and too much time thinking about what I could be doing to support my clients. And while I'm parsing working in the quote right way for our inherent humanity, let me share this observation. There's the difference between making a decision and being committed. What I've noticed is that there's a difference in the felt sense, the body sensations of a decision versus a commitment. A commitment seems to feel more deeply connected, more embodied, so to speak. And for me, a decision is often something I make with my mind and it can feel right, but it doesn't always lead to forward motion. And that's because the mind, at least mine, can waver and tell me stories and can lead me deeply into self-doubt. For me, a commitment doesn't mean, at least in my case, that I'm going to execute with perfection, such as keeping to a project plan. What it does mean is that the thing I'm committed to will happen, and I know it in my bones. 
even if it happens eventually. So yes, imperfect action. Let me say a bit more here. By taking action, any action really, including ones that we assess as not being terribly useful, we get to experience ourselves becoming someone slightly different than we were before. We get to be someone who experiments, who learns and adjusts, who can live with both disappointment and progress. It's magical, really, as we don't always know who we'll become, but the small imperfect actions can affirm all that we wish for ourselves in a profound, almost cellular way. It really is a way of stepping into being all the way alive. My coaching clients are accomplished humans, 45 plus, seeking to explore and bring to life a long-held, potentially deeply hidden, dreams. My clients, like you, perhaps, are asking questions big and small about your lives, your choices, and how you might want to shift, grow, and evolve in the years ahead. This time of life often coincides with the desire to be much more intentional and to shift away from what might be called imposed expectations and to tune in more deeply to the call of your spirit, to shape your life from the inside out. For some, this is about figuring out how to navigate late-stage work or career more powerfully, so it is more personally satisfying and in keeping with who you want to be and how you see yourself. For others, it is about shifting focus and identity from career or work to life beyond, a second or a third career, spirituality, retirement, creativity, family, health, adventures, applications, and hobbies to name, I think, just a few. For many, it is all of the above. I also have a handful of executive clients with whom I do a combination of coaching, thought partnering, and consulting, where I leverage my nearly 30 years in corporate as a C-suite executive and as a nonprofit board chairperson with experience in human resources, operations, communications, board and community relations, governance, and audit, to name just a few. I really enjoy working with them. It feels all of me gets to show up. The wise and experienced coach, the intellectual thought partner who can iterate with someone and brainstorm and help find clarity, and the consulting part where I get to leverage all the experience of my working days. In the meantime, as I mentioned earlier, my spouse and I own a ranch in South Africa, known as a farm there, with a 15-bedroom guest house, a growing flock of sheep, two horses, some cattle, and a sweet cat named Mr. Meow, who adopted us as a feral kitten. We live there six to eight months of the year, and in San Francisco, the other four to six months. My spouse and I are co-directors of the company that owns the ranch, so we're in business together. The challenges of entrepreneurship I described earlier multiplied by working with my romantic and life partner. At first, while we both loved the place, we didn't have a shared vision for how we would evolve our business. With my coaching business calling my attention, I was willing to allow for organic growth and to hold space for owning an inconveniently located vacation home versus a thriving lodge or guest house. Meanwhile, my husband held the vision for a thriving lodge and livestock farm. And as we planned to open, the pandemic locked down the world. David, that's my spouse, has always overseen the maintenance and improvement of the physical plant, the main house, the staff quarters, the barn, the workshop. For, and for example, he converted the lodge to solar during 2020. I've learned to take on the booking systems and oversight for the guest services staff. 
I have responsibility for pretty much everything inside the lodge except repairs and painting. He has responsibility for pretty much everything outside the lodge. We are growing our skill and experience in all the areas needed to run our farm, our lodge, and our team. Leadership and people management, hospitality, marketing, animal husbandry, to name just a few. And we now have shared a vision for the business. A thriving guest lodge in a beautiful location, retreats led by me and other coaches, sheep and cattle farming, and especially the opportunity to create jobs and training for a very rural part of South Africa where unemployment is quite high. All of this has been such a journey over the past five years, and it's been replete with new experiences, new friends, and therefore, I see the world with new eyes. So from all of this, my life, my work, my reflections and questions, all the way alive was born. I hope this version of my story was not like the history starting with the dinosaurs, but I did want to provide you with context for who I am and for how I see things and why I encourage you to join us on the podcast episodes and listen along. So if you're still listening, thank you. I'm so grateful that you're here. Let me say a little bit about the other episodes that drop along with this one. Episode two, which is available along with three and four, features a conversation with my spouse, David, where we talk through being in business together in South Africa as a married couple. Episode three is with my friend and fellow coach, Janelle Wiesak, where we talk about the self-styled life. She's a corporate powerhouse and a life coach. And episode four is with my friend and client, Juliet Clothier a C-suite executive, and change maker. I do hope you'll keep listening. And in the meantime, be all the way alive. And that's a wrap on this episode of All The Way Alive, the podcast for accomplished humans 45 plus who want to squeeze all the available living and adventure out of this lifetime. I'm Susan A. Sutherland, and I'm so glad you've joined me here. If you enjoyed listening, you can support me in this podcast by subscribing to future episodes, leaving a review and giving the podcast five stars, and sharing it with your friends and colleagues. I'd love to talk about more things that matter to you. So please reach out and let me know what's on your mind, and I'll put your ideas in the hopper for potential future episodes. Until next time... Be all the way alive.